Welcome into the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. Count on a powerful and secure Wi-Fi connection for all your devices. Xfinity XFi, can your internet do that? Welcome in. It's week 17 as the Texans get ready to host the Jacksonville Jaguars and keep the win streak on a roll. Both win streaks, the one that they started against the Titans last week and the one against the Jags. Currently, the Texans have a nine-game win streak against the Jaguars. The last time the Jaguars actually beat the Texans, they swept the Texans, and that was in 2017 on their way to the AFC Championship game. Since then, the Jags have not been to the playoffs, and they have not beat the Texans. They hope that changes with this week's game, but of course, it's still ultimately going to come down to when they take on the Titans. So a battle for the AFC South. The Texans did their part for the Jags last week, knocking off the Titans, but the Titans are still in it. But the Texans, hey, playing spoiler is kind of fun when you know you're not going to make it into the playoffs. You might as well spoil things for your AFC South rivals, right? So we're going to break down the game. We're going to go behind enemy sidelines with uh, Jaguar Radio Network, Analyst J.P. Shadrick, who has covered the team for a really long time, and he's always great to catch up with. We're going to talk about Trevor Lawrence's progress throughout the season, Doug Peterson, how he's really changed that offense, as well as a few injuries that could impact Sunday's game against the Texans. But first, Xfinity delivers the fastest internet in Houston, so you can do more of what you love. Stream the game on a powerful and secure Wi-Fi network and keep your home team happy with a reliable connection for all your devices. Xfinity XFi, can your internet do that? We're going behind enemy sidelines with Jaguar Radio Network's J.P. Shatterick, who I get to chat with twice a year. It's never enough. J.P., welcome in. It seems like an up-and-down season for the Jaguars, but what's the mood like in Duval right now? Well, first off, we chat more than twice a year, but just on the air <laughs> twice a year. But it's uh, it's always good to talk with you on game week. Uh, the mood is very excited here in Jacksonville right now. Of course, the Jaguars were four games behind the first-place Tennessee Titans at one point. They're in first place now, and it's unbelievable to think about the way Jaguars, uh, the the Jags lost some games, including to the Texans earlier this year. Uh, they found a way, and number one reason why is the quarterback's playing better football. There was a game week eight in London against Denver where he threw two interceptions, one on a first and goal with the one, inexplicable, can't do it. And after the game, he said, you know, I, I really have to take a, an introspective look at this and I'm beating our team right now. And from that point forward, he's now thrown 14 touchdowns with one interception and he's turned the whole thing around. The defense is doing what it can, you know, they're giving up yards, but they're taking the ball away some, but uh, they figured out how to win some of these games now that they were losing earlier in the year. And it's the steady leadership of Doug Peterson that I think has led the way in that regard. Yeah, you, you said it all, Trevor Lawrence. I think he's getting a lot of national attention, and the conversation around him has changed quite a bit. Maybe part of that comes from beating the Cowboys and just the win streak that the Jags have been on recently. But for you, who covers the team every single day, when did you start to see him make that turnaround? You mentioned the, the interception against the Broncos, but the, the, the level that he's playing at now, did you sort of see that that was in the works or that was coming this year? Well, I mean, there were still, even when they were losing some of the games, there was a couple four quarters where they got him, he got him in the end zone to score to take the lead. And the defense couldn't hold it, right? So there were moments you could see, okay, he's seeing things right. He's making the proper throw, but there's other moments that just weren't there. 
but it was that game. It was that London game, and there was no bye week after it. They played right after against the Raiders and won that football game and then started to roll. And that's when it really started to turn. And, and part of it, too, is the way they call games on offense. I mean, they use all kind of weapons. They went out in free agency, of course, in this offseason and got Evan Ingram, the tight end, on a one-year deal. They got Christian Kirk, paid through the nose for him. And then they got Zay Jones, of course, paid a lot of money for him. Well, all three of those guys are already past their career best yardage season. And there's two games to go. I mean, so they're using those guys different ways and they're, they're scheming them open. Last week, it was Evan Ingram in New York against the Jets because the plan was in the nasty rain and against the corners that the Jets have to not throw it against the corners in the rain. And it was Evan Ingram going back to New York. Yes, it was against the other team in New York, but he wanted to make a point. All that came together and it was his day. A couple of weeks ago, it was Zay Jones with a big day, three touchdowns. Um, and then another day, it's Christian Kirk. So there's really – every player has some level of ego. I get that. But it's not – you don't have divas on this team. So that goes along with the quarterback play too. You, when you have guys that are uh, evenly distributing the ball and, you know, what, helping out the other guys, you know, there, there was an Evan Ingram catch Thursday where he caught it in the flat and – there's Zay Jones and Christian Kirk lead blocking for him on like a 20-yard catch and run. That's what it's about. This team has had that most of the year, but they're starting to get the results too. I think you touched on Doug Peterson because we've seen him get a lot of credit too. And it's these days, it's all about the younger coaches, the Sean McVays and the Mike McDaniel types. But when you look at a guy like Doug Peterson, the experience that he's brought to that offense, uh, you know, what is it about what he's able to do that's really helped Lawrence reach the next level? You mentioned sort of involving all the players. What's his style of coaching that really separates him from maybe some of the other coaches that are hot names out there right now? He's super detail-oriented on matchups. So he can find the weak spot of the opponent and figure out ways to exploit that. And, you know, this is not a really an explosive offense this is not the Miami Dolphins where they're running for 80 yard touchdowns catching it 10 yards down the field and breaking away that's not this group and they're not throwing deep bombs down the field either so they've got to find a way a lot of times to pick their way down the field and you know what lining up Evan Ingram outside is a way sometimes to do that it might open up something else for Christian Kirk against a defender on the interior right so that kind of thing so but he's so detail-oriented in that and then he's got Press Taylor with him as the offensive coordinator. Doug calls the plays on the sideline. And, you know, they've got Mike McCoy in the quarterback coaching room, former head coach, been at this for a while. And then Trevor is involved too. So those four together, crafting a, a plan against an opponent, that's a pretty good quartet, I think, putting this thing together. And it's just the detail. And he's... He's finding the strengths of Trevor Lawrence and the players around Trevor and utilizing those and getting rid of the rest. There's no reason to try some things that you know you're not going to be able to execute if you don't have the personnel to go do it. So this is what they have, and they're calling it very, very well this year. All right, the last time you and I spoke, we were talking about James Robinson and Travis Etienne in the backfield. They've since traded Robinson. So how has the run game evolved now that Etienne is the guy? Oh, I also dropped a, him from my fantasy lineup after that, FYI. Wow. Um, he's got 1,000 yards, so it's gone pretty well. He's fumbling the ball a little bit. That's an issue. He's, you know, I don't know. He's just, he, it's not 
the smoothest looking running style, but it's effective. And until he fumbles the ball at the end, right? So that he's got some issues with that. So he's working on holding the ball a little bit better, but he's a, a good, hardworking player. And he'll work, he'll figure that part out, I think. But ETN's going to be around here for a long time. And he's got that little explosion to him, a burst that James Robinson just didn't have. And that ship has sailed. We haven't heard that name in a long time, by the way, because Robinson was Probably the last time we spoke. <laughs> yeah, well, he was inactive Thursday night. He, he's not getting to that 600 yard That's level because right. the Jaguars would get a fifth round pick instead of a sixth round pick. So the Jets don't want to give that up. That's why he's not trying to get to 600 yards this year. But we haven't heard that name in a while because ETN's playing so well. And, and mm-hmm. let's be honest. And he has a little bit in the passing game, too, to go with that if he needs to in the flat. So they use a, a lot of that short passes outside that act as runs sometimes and get him into space. And and here we go. So um, he's been good. He's been really good. And a lot of that's the offensive line too. They've had some injuries, but um, they're, they're fighting through and they've had a really good season, I think up front as a whole. And uh, ETN has learned as the season has gone on a little better, how to run inside behind those guys. He would instinctually just bounce it outside and look for the big run. That's always been a style, even in college. But he's he's um, I think he's grown into that uh, running between the tackle thing. Well, what about the tackle situation? I mean, it's it's a pretty healthy Jaguars team overall. But I saw that they placed two two players on on IR this week. One of them being left tackle Cam Robinson. You know, how does that affect what they're able to do up front? Yeah, those are big because Robinson was really good in the running game, and you know, obviously, it signed an extension. He's here for a long time to come anyway. Had just that attitude about him that they liked in the run game. And then uh, Juwan Taylor's at right tackle, and he's been kind of some nagging injury things as the season's gone along, but it's a contract year for him. So he's playing pretty well and proving it. He beat out Walker Little in training camp. Juwan Taylor did. So Walker Little from Houston, by the way, um, is has been the swing tackle backup guy all year. Well, now he's going to start at left tackle the rest of the way. And hey, second round pick. Second year in the league, should be able to go play. He played okay last week against the Jets in, in both the pass game uh, and the run game. Tony Baselli on a show Monday earlier this week in Jacksonville, it's ideal to have a Hall of Fame left tackle to talk about the left tackle position, said that, you know, everything's there. He's got the size, the move, you know, he can move, pass blocking, you know, run blocking, solid. But he still wants to see, and maybe it's just not enough time on task to see if, as he put it, does Walker Little have dog in him? Does he want to go kill the guy across from him? And we just haven't seen him play enough. So he hasn't really been out there. He hasn't a chance yet. So this is his chance. And I think so far so good, a game into it. And he had to play about a half two weeks ago because of injuries. So we'll see. That's the tackle situation. The interior has been okay. You know, rookie center, veteran left guard and Shatley. Um, and of course, a sheriff at right guard is a multi-time pro bowler and is a, a good salty vet. So it's a good collective group. All right. I haven't asked you about the defense at all. So let me get a defensive question for you because the, over the past few games, they've, they've forced a few takeaways, but over the course of the season, how have you really seen this Jags defense evolve? Well, early in the season, it was a lot of takeaways. They were, they were getting home to the quarterback. They were getting their hands on the football. It dried up during that stretch. And, um, you know, there was some, situational issues for them late in games couldn't hold a fourth quarter lead sometimes they'd give it up and couldn't get the ball you know there there was a 
stretch there where they weren't taking the ball away. And then they've had some issues in the secondary this year, right? I mean, Shaq Griffin was not playing well and then was hurt and has not been back and probably won't be back with the Jaguars at corner. So that's left some vacancy at the, at the outside at corner. They've had to move some people around. They tried Herndon out there, Trey Herndon. They've now moved Herndon back inside and put Darius Williams outside. That's done pretty well lately. Uh, Tyson Campbell's been good, good, solid player at corner. The safety play has been actually really good this year. Rayshon Jenkins is playing out of his mind this season, capped off by the Dallas game where he had 18 tackles and two interceptions in the game winner in the pick six. So, and then Cisco has been playing pretty well. So that's fine. Linebacker play, Boye Lewican, yeah, good player. He's leading the league in tackles. So that's fine. He gets everybody lined up. Uh, Devin Lloyd's been up and down. First round pick linebacker out of Utah. Um, sometimes kind of wanders and, and is not really sure where to go, where to start. That's getting better as the season goes along. Chad Muma was starting over him a couple weeks ago. He was a third round pick this year, also a rookie. So they're kind of alternating, switching out at linebacker. And then Trayvon Walker has been a good player. He uh, he was an out, has been an outside linebacker uh, to start his career, but he wasn't truly that at Georgia, the number one pick this year, and has not produced the numbers that you might expect from that position. So they're starting to move him around some too. And with Dewan Smoot, as you mentioned out now, that changes a lot on the defensive line. You might see Walker maybe inside a little more. They've tried that recently. And it's worked pretty well. They've got Arden Key on the outside still, who's a, a veteran pass rusher as well. And then Josh Allen trying to get it going again late in the season. So they've got players. They've got names. They've got a little time to try to get it right at the end of the season. They're getting their hands on the football again. They haven't consistently got to the quarterback, though. And that, that affects most everything. If they can do that down the stretch here, and hopefully into the playoffs, then um, that could be a, a nice calling card for this group. All right, JP, appreciate the time. Thanks so much, as always, my friend. You're the best, DP. Thank you. Great stuff, as always, from JP Shadrick. Sunday's game is actually the last home game for the Texans for the 2022 season. It's fan appreciation game. And if you want to get tickets, you can go to HoustonTexans.com slash tickets. And the Texans have not won a game at home this year. They're hoping that they can close out the season with a win. And we certainly hope so, too. Just two games left in the season, Jags, and then at Indianapolis to close out the 2022 season. So... First game of the 2023 year will be at Energy Stadium January 1st against the Jaguars. Hope to see you there. That's going to do it for the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, go Texans.